Well, we're thrilled to be up here and uh, glad to be able to share God's Word with you. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, open please to Psalm number 42. Psalm number 42. It's also written on the back of your little outline there that's in your bulletin. If you'd like to read along with us. Let me begin our time of study just asking a basic question. How many of you have ever been through a time when your life was pretty much upside down? Anybody else here? It happens to us at different times in life, doesn't it? My worst time in my life uh, came uh, several years back, right after I'd become the lead pastor at our church, and my predecessor uh, died of cancer in 1993. And uh, the elders in our church asked me to take on those additional responsibilities then. Uh, It wasn't long after that to where uh, our associate pastor, who had been at our church for 40 years, uh, suffered a heart attack. And so we lost our senior pastor of 22 years, our associate pastor of 40 years, and then just a few months after that, our assistant pastor of 23 years had a stroke. We lost 83 years of pastoral experience at our church alone within a span of about 15 months. And uh, as a result of losing those guys, it'd be like losing Ken and Brandon and Justin and Kim all at the same time. Uh, The ministry pressures were absolutely overwhelming. Uh, On top of that, the things at home were equally stressful. Uh, My wife's uh, sister... A difficult family situation, had sold everything that they owned and joined a a religious commune, and and, uh, it fell apart on them. They had no possessions and had no place to live, so they came and stayed with us. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Ministry pressures, home pressures. On top of that, I'd hurt my knee exercising, and so I had quit exercising. I wasn't doing anything at all. And all of the pain and all of the pressures and all of the dysfunction in my life kind of came to a head when I was speaking at a spiritual life conference. And I'm the guy bringing the word and telling them about Jesus and telling them about the work of the Spirit in, in, in a person's life. And about the third night in, it all just came crashing down on me. I found myself in a, in a little log cabin with my wife, and I couldn't stop crying. I was shaking. I thought I was going absolutely crazy out of my head. It was a difficult time in, in my life. All I could ask my wife to do was hold me. I don't know if you've ever been that upside down before. It happens. Happens to all of us at different times. Happens to sleep-deprived moms and dads. Uh, you're working jobs, doing the diaper thing. You got, I call them linoleum lizards, just all around you, just crawling. And the pressures mount. You don't know where to turn. It happens to senior citizens. You get to the end of your life. You retire. And all of a sudden... The important things of life, hard to find. And you've been working all your life towards this time, and then what do you do? So it hits us when we're young, hits us when we're old, hits us in the middle. You, you kind of get into that midlife thing, and you try and ask yourselves, uh, what's the point of all of this? Especially if your dreams don't kind of pan out the way you thought they would. Life gets a little bit upside down. Am I the only one who's ever gone through any of this? You know what I'm talking about? Well, if it's any comfort to you, uh, you need to know that it was common during the times when the Bible was written as well. As a matter of fact, this unnamed author of Psalm number 42, going through it big time, he pens these words down in in verse 5. See it with me on that on that outline or in your Bible, Psalm number 42 and verse 5. Here's his condition and how he presents it. He asks himself this question, verse 5, Why are you downcast, O my soul? 
why so disturbed within me? Uh, Something's got the, the psalmist here by the throat. And he's having a tough time. Uh, What is it? In the historic context, uh, this psalmist is in exile. He's way up in the north of of ancient Palestine, of ancient Israel. He's away from from, from the Hebrew temple where God's glory dwelt and where the presence of God was. He mentions it in, in, down in, in, in verse 6. See it there? He's up in the, in the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from, from Mount Mizar. Uh, the psalmist's problem is really clear to see. He's separated from the Lord's presence. He's away from God. He doesn't sense God's nearness, God's closeness, because he's way up in the north and God's way down in the south. And he's so overwhelmed by it, he mentions his despondency again down in verse 11. See it down there again? He asks the exact same question, verse 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Uh, This is a time, uh, this is personal despondency. This is dejection. He's upside down. And the whole impact of this, it's really clear. This is, is, is affecting his soul. His soul. That inner part of him. Uh, he's going through mental agitation here. He's going through emotional upheaval here. The, the words are, are pretty simple in verses 5 and 11. He's feeling downcast. Downcast. The original word uh, means to be, to, be, to be bent over, to be bowed down. He feels like he's been kicked in the gut. And he's just doubled over. He's just keeled over. He's downcast. Verse 5, he's disturbed. Again, a word in its original form that means to growl or to roar. Uh, He's upside down. And he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know where to turn. He's churning. He's grinding. Do you get what's going on here? He's, He's just upside down. And it happens. It happens in all of our lives. It happens as parents. You walk into your teenager's room, you find drug paraphernalia. You find a pipe. You find whatever. Young wife finds pornography on her husband's laptop computer. Relative, I'm pregnant. happens all the time. What do you do when the economy in Bend absolutely stinks? You're on the verge of losing your job. You're on the verge of losing your house. Where do you turn when the doctor says there's nothing else that we can do? And for people of faith, it's, it's really especially difficult because then you start to wonder, God, where are you? And that's where the psalmist is. And, and in Psalm number 42, he's just going to lay it all out before us here. And, and uh, the good news, he's going to give us some help. And, and he begins at this psalm by talking about this passionate yearning that he's got from God. Let's go back and, and get some help now. We, we understand the problem. Let's get some help. Let's go back to verse 1. Now, these might be familiar words. You may have sung this song sometime in, a, in your past. Verse 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Uh, the psalmist is describing drought conditions in ancient Palestine. And in his mind, he, he can envision a, a, a thirsty deer uh, going through the, the, the uh, dried-up riverbeds, the mud-crusted pools in, in that ancient Middle East area. I don't know. Have any of you ever seen a thirsty deer before? I've, I've never seen a thirsty deer before. 
You ever seen a thirsty dog before? Yeah, all of us have seen that thirsty dog. Imagine a dog, the tongue hanging out of the dog's mouth. He'd just been on a big run. And that dog just can't wait to get near some water. That's the imagery. In the, in the context, though, it's a, it's a thirst for, for spiritual renewal. This is why the psalmist at the end of verse 1 uh, says this, uh, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Uh, he's, he's aching for the living God's touch in his life because he's upside down. He wants to, to experience that marvelous goodness that people talk about God all the time. And, 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 and I want it for, for me. Especially in this tough situation. Cries out, verse 2. When can I go and meet with God? When can I get down to Jerusalem? When, when can I get again connected to God? When can I find some spiritual relief? When can this renewal come? The joy of my salvation. When, when do I get there? Get there again. How long is this going to go on? And in the psalmist's situation, it, it, it affected everything in his life, and especially his eating habits. Uh, verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. Uh, that's exactly what happened to me. I get up to this conference where I'm speaking, and uh, people up there where I have friends, they ask me, how's it going down at church? And the only thing that I could tell them was, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm really tired. And I get up there, and I'm speaking, and I'm, I, I'm teaching, and I'm counseling, and I'm talking to people, and giving of myself, and, and I can't sleep. And I'm getting like two hours of sleep a night. And because I can't sleep, I'm just feeling rotten. You know, you, you know the kind of craziness that you get when you don't sleep, when you're sleeping? Well, it hit me, I quit eating. And so I didn't eat for three days. And I'm sleeping two hours. Nothing tasted good. And that happens sometimes when you get upside down, you, you quit eating. Uh, the, other, the other extreme happens sometimes too. When you get upside down, all you can do is eat. And that leads to that binging and purging and the, the, that horrible cycle sometimes people get into when life really gets upside down. In my, in my experience, um, all I could do was cry. And I understand, verse 3, my, my tears have been my food day and night. And what made matters worse is at this low point in the psalmist's life, He's got people around him who are making fun of him, especially who are mocking his so-called relationship with God. See the end of verse 3? My tears have been my food day and night while men say to me all day long, where's your God? Where's your God? Uh, the psalmist obviously made some kind of profession of faith. Some, some kind of statement that he was a, a, a follower of God. He believed in, in, in New Testament times, we would say he's a Christ follower. He has believed in Jesus of Nazareth. And he, and he made this big statement, I'm Christian. And now his, his world is upside down and all the people who don't believe come to him and say, Hey, psst, where's Jesus now? Why didn't he help you? And that's pretty rotten. That makes matter all, all the worse because sometimes we don't know where he is. I know you ever struggle with the silence of God? And you're just wondering? Well, then you, you know exactly what this guy's going through. And as he sits and ponders the mocking and where God is, the psalmist in the historic context, he goes back and he starts to think back to his previous experiences with God. And he writes about him, verse 4. 
He said, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. See, he remembers back when he was in Jerusalem. Remember, he's way up in the north. And he, used to, he remembers, I, you know, I used to be down in, in Jerusalem and, and, and we'd all get together. Our community groups. And we used to get together and we'd sing and we'd dance. And on, on the, the, the holy days, when, when we'd go up to the temple and we'd all together, we'd have these big celebrations and barbecues and, and festive throngs and we'd all be out there and... Man, I used to remember I was, I was so close to God. But now he's far away. I mean, he's like way far away. This describing you this morning? I wish I had the time to sit down with you individually because we all go through it. Remember those times when you used to be so close to God? It just seemed like everywhere you went, God was there. And that heart of yours was just so close to the Master. Remember those? But now you're you're distant and drifted. Well, thinking back was good for the psalmist. And he remembered. And it brought him to the point where he could, he could address the, the troubled soul. Verse 5. He asked this question, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And now, now you get an answer. Now you get a real straightforward answer in verse 5. Why downcast? Why so disturbed? Here's the psalmist's answer. Put your hope in God. That's the answer. Put your hope in God. When you are hopeless, the answer is to find your hope. Not within yourself, not within your circumstances, but within the God who, according to His Word and His revelation, created everything and is in charge of everything. Put your hope in Him. Easy to say, really hard to do. But it's the answer. Put your hope Are you filled with hope this morning? Again, in my preparation, it was interesting to me that the word hope comes from a root word meaning to wait. And that's a good definition for what hope is. When we say put your hope in God, we're saying have the solid expectation that the God who created all things and is in charge of everything according to His Word, that, that He is with you and that you are willing to wait for Him to show Himself and to respond to you even in a very difficult situation. That's what He's saying. Dear friends at Antioch Church, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. You have a Father in heaven who's promised, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Remember back how close you were? That can happen again. Good for the the psalmist here, verse 5. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. He'll bring me back, because He's my Savior. He's the Almighty. He's big enough to overcome whatever my hassles are, whatever my problems are, whatever my struggles are. 
For the child of God, there's always hope. There's always hope. I sat in the cabin and I I just cried. And my wife, she just, uh, my, my dear wife, she had never seen me like that before. And again, she just held me and she suggested, why don't we call somebody? And so we called some friends and asked them to pray. And then I called a, a psychiatrist friend of mine. And uh, I got on the phone and I guess I just started babbling. I was just kind of... I told him essentially, I think I'm going crazy. And uh, he was a wise man and he listened for a little bit. And then he said, Dennis... Uh, stop talking for just a second and let me talk. I said, okay. He told me that I was experiencing a hyperventilation disorder. My blood was not oxygenating. It's commonly called a panic attack. There it is. Ever know a pastor who suffered from panic attacks? I, you know, it really felt good to know that I wasn't going crazy. <laughs> that was the good news. But I could... I could tell you beyond a shadow of doubt, I knew I needed God's help. Whatever the situation, I knew I needed God's help. And so did the psalmist, verse 6. Verse 5, put your hope in God, I'll yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. And then he simply says, my soul is downcast within me. God, my hope is in you. There's no question about that, but I'm depressed. I'm upside down. I'm backwards. Whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to say it. Rather than hiding it, we find transparency. We find authenticity. We find honesty. This is where I'm at. And he describes his pain in the imagery of a waterfall. Verse 7. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. That roaring went up to, is it Benham Falls? We're cascading water. And it reminded the, the psalmist of the, the roaring that was going on in his life. Verse 7, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. It's just like that constant flow of water over the falls, down the rocks. There's a constant flow of pain in his life. Courtney tells me you like to sing hymns in this fellowship. When peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll and the waves and the breakers roll over the top of us in life, it happens. Now, I don't know if you can relate to this, if you think this is kind of a bummer (laughs) bummer morning at Antioch. But if you're in the midst of it, I tell you, it's no fun. And the psalmist tells us where to turn. See, his convictions are as strong as his sorrows. Verse 8, he writes, By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. See, throughout the long day and night when his tears have been his food, he still is willing to sing. He still is willing to pray to the the God of my life, even in the darkness. 
God is the source of hope. God sent me help through my doctor. And it came in a pretty unusual way. Hyperventilation disorder. That sounded better to me than a panic attack. And so the uh, psychiatrist said, Dennis, is there a pharmacy near you? I said, yeah, there's one not far from here. He says, okay, I'm going to prescribe something for you, and I want you to go and take it. I said, what is it? He says, it's Valium. Ever know a pastor who took Valium? I felt a little funny about that. Here I am, you know, this speaker at this spiritual life conference, and I'm getting the valley of each night. You know. He said to me, uh, Dennis, the first thing you need to do is break the back of all your physical symptoms. In other words, you need to sleep and you need to eat. And that's what I did. I slept uh, 12, 13 hours that first night. And I got up and I started eating. And even though I felt funny about it, I've come to realize that God was sending His help to me through that doctor. But even as I started feeling a little bit better, um, my problems still remained. It didn't take my problems away. I still had questions. So did the psalmist. Verse 9. See it with me. The great songs and the prayers of verse 8 become the questions of verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? I mean, there's no question that God had been a source of hope for him, source of strength for him place to look when you're upside down. But still the questions remain. I'm a pastor. I help people. I try and do the right things. God, why in the world am I going through this? I, 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 I don't get it, God. And, and in the most honest moments, I would tell you, I, I, I surely don't appreciate it. And this is, there's no pretense here. This, is, this guy is just gut-level honesty with a God who's big enough and strong enough, merciful and understanding enough to, to deal with it. So the psalmist, he just pours it all out. Verse 10. See it with me. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where's your God? The questions were crushing. He had devoted himself to the the God of Israel. And our New Testament revealed to us his Father, Son, and Spirit, the triune God, committed his whole life. And yet he was still suffering the, what verse, verse 10 calls, mortal agony. Felt as if he'd been stuck in the bones with a knife. And he cries out once again, verse 11, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And he cries out because uh, this is what happens when life's difficulties come our way. And it happens to all of us. Get named in a frivolous lawsuit. One of my most memorable experiences in life. I'm in a staff meeting. Knock at the door. Guy's there. Op- I open the door. He said, I'm looking for Dennis Keating. Here I am. Hands me an envelope. I get sued. $10 million. That's a lot of zeros. 
over nothing, over absolutely nothing. I didn't have anything to do with it. They just named 100 people in the lawsuit. I happened to sign a petition. Invest in the stock market. That's a good way for you to find out how life can really fluctuate, you know? (laughs) And you're at the top of the world one moment, the next thing you know, you're down 400 points. It happens. Put your trust in a friend and then have that friend turn on you. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? The questions, the answer's the same. Verse 11. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Antioch Church, put your hope in God. That's the answer. That solid expectation that the God who created all things will come to your aid. You're just going to have to wait for him. That's Psalm 42. I like this psalm a lot because I relate to it a lot. Um, How does it relate to life in Bend, Oregon in April of 2008? Let me give you some, some life lessons. Four things I want you to think about and that you can take home from this time together. First life lesson from Psalm number 42. When you're in pain, don't be surprised by why questions. Throughout the psalm, we find the psalmist asking God why. Again, in verse 9, I will say to God, my rock, why? This is the human tendency. Why? Why? Why is this happening? What did I do to deserve this? Uh, There are many scholars who think that Psalm 42 has as its background King David running away from his son, a guy by the name of Absalom, who kind of staged a coup and threw his dad out. And David had to run away. Had to run away from his home, his family, his job, his kingdom. And he's way up in the north now in exile. His son has basically taken over. And he wants to know, God, why? Ever ask the why question? Well, know this, you're not alone. According to Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, even the Lord himself asked it while he was hanging on the cross. Remember it? My God, my God, why hast thou, what, forsaken me? Uh, don't ever be afraid to ask your why questions. It's human. It's something that we all do, something that we all experience. And I would tell you this, if you're ever asking the why question, don't think yourself on the spiritual. Just join the club. Go ahead and ask your why questions. Are there answers? Absolutely, yes. That's the second life lesson. When in pain, always remember there's a greater purpose. There's a greater purpose. Our common tendency to wonder what good can come from this when we're in the midst of those questioning times, is when hopelessness tends to flourish. When we begin to wonder what good can come from this, there's no rhyme, no reason, no greater purpose in any of this. What the psalmist is telling us is that we can always be hopeful. Always be hopeful that God has a greater purpose. It's one of the most important insights in our Bibles. One of the most important insights God has ever given to me. Simply this. God always places a higher priority 
on your spiritual development than he does upon your physical and emotional well-being. You got to get your your mind around that. And then you got to get your heart around it. His priority is to make you more like the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not to make you happy. It's not to have you uh, healthy 100% of the time. He has a far greater purpose. And we all understand, especially those who have had children, you get this and you understand this. If you've ever taken your child in to to be inoculated, your your little kiddo, and that doctor is going to come and stick a needle in your kid, Uh, Our youngest, we have a Bryce. He's got moles on him. And we always wondered about these moles. And uh, we thought we'd go down and have a dermatologist person look at him. And the dermatologist took one look at this mole on his head and said, that needs to come off. And he's a little guy at this point in time. He's just a little guy. We go, great, take it off him. He said, I'm going to need your help. And so this is dad duty here. So, so, okay, great. What do I need to do? He said, hold your son down. And I take my kid and I throw him up on the thing. And, you know, he thinks, yeah, I'm with dad. Everything's going to be fine. And this doctor, he pulls out these needles. And then he's going to do one of those little punch things. that's up on his scalp. And he starts injecting my son. And my son, just these crocodile tears, dad, stop this guy. Dad, this hurts. Dad, why aren't you doing something about this? How how do you explain malignant melanoma to a a four-year-old? You don't. You don't. You put your higher priority on a greater purpose, and you hold your kid down, and you say, Kiddo, I'm sorry, but you just got to trust me on this one. There's not one of us who hasn't done that with our kids. Well, I tell you this, you have a Heavenly Father who does the same thing with you. Because everything in life is meant to make you more like the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 8 and and verse 29. He wants you conformed to the likeness of his son. That's the filter. And Jesus was a man of sorrows. And I think oftentimes we are most like Jesus when we are in the most pain. Because Jesus gets it. And when I keep that in my mind, even in my ups and downs in life, I recognize there's a greater purpose. To help me, I came up with a little acronym. It's called SBIGO. (laughs) SBIGO, say it with me. I want you to remember SBIGO. What does SBIGO mean? In every circumstance in life, something bigger is going on. Do you think it's by accident that the economy is bad? Do you think there's no greater purpose? Friend, something bigger is going on. And that something always has to do with your character. Always. Because it is the greater purpose of the God of heaven to conform you to the likeness of His Son. I tell you this, 
I can't explain all of the mysteries of God. And people come to me and they say, Pastor, they ask all kinds of theological questions. How can a good God allow this evil? Not a one person I've ever talked to in the midst of a difficult situation had a theological question. What they're asking me is, when does the pain stop? That's what they want to know. When does the pain stop? And I wish I had an answer. But all I can tell them is, it's big up. They like it about as much as you do. But, uh, it's big up. Something bigger is going on. Dear friend at Antioch Church, something bigger is going on. Put your hope in God. Because if you take God out of this equation, there's no hope. Because you don't get it, and you don't appreciate it, and you don't like it one bit. You take God out of this equation, then life is an absolute crapshoot, and you better roll a seven every time. But what do you do if you roll a snake eyes? And there is no God in it. There's no spigo. There's a greater purpose. And I just have to put my hope in God. Who is this for this morning? I've been wondering why God um, brought me here this morning. Who's this for? Is this for you? Welcome to the club. Spigo. What do we learn? Thirdly, when in pain, counsel yourself with God's Word. Verse 5, why are you in despair? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He's honestly assessing and expressing his emotions, counseling himself, reassuring himself that God was indeed faithful to him. I found that to be the greatest comfort in my own heart and life, and I would venture to guess most of us have. You get through difficult times, through the valley of hopelessness, when we get counseled from the Scriptures about the faithfulness of our God. This is why King David wrote in Psalm 119 and verse 24 these words, Your statutes are my delight. They are my, what? My counselors. So what is it that you struggle with? Has someone hurt you? Sinned against you? And you're angry? You're ticked off? You're bitter? And you need some help? Where in God's Word are you going to go get some direction? Uh, your struggle is with illicit sexual things. Where do you go? How does the statutes of God become your counselors? You need some help? Help is available. The Word of God speaks to every circumstance in life. Your relationships... Marriage, dating life, struggling in your studies. Uh, there are answers, and you can get some help. That's what your elders are here for. Not just Ken, but your elders. And all of the staff. Their email addresses, I think, are in your, in your bulletin or worship folder, whatever the program, whatever you call it up here. I asked Brandon if you could email him. He said, of course. Ask him. I'm struggling with this. I need some help from God's Word. Can you send me something? Brandon at AntiochChurch.org. <laughs> Ask for help. Because that's exactly what this psalmist is doing here. Ask your elders. That's what they're there for. 
And be reminded time and time and time again. Spiga. Put your hope in God. Fourth. When in pain, be assured of God's love. I finished speaking and headed home. Uh, The problems were still there. There were still all the pressures of church. Uh, The crazy family was still living with us. My knee didn't get better instantly. So I went to the elders in our church and I told them exactly what had happened. And then I went to the psychiatrist. And I said, okay, here's a bit of who I am. Can you explain to me what happened? And uh, he shared with me uh, an image that has influenced my life that I'd like to conclude our time together with. He said, Dennis, what you've gone through is pretty normal. It happens to people in life. And he said, welcome to the human race. And then then he said this. He said, now you're dented. Now you're dented. Now you know how everybody that you talk to every weekend feels most every day of their lives. We're dented. There's not a one of us whose can hasn't been kicked, hasn't been bruised, hasn't been dented. We're all in the same boat together. And I've thought a lot about that. I'm strong and I'm gifted in some areas. And in other areas, I'm dented. Here's what I've learned. I'll leave this main point with you. What I've learned... God's love shows up best in dented people. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and that he knows me. Jeremiah 9.23. God's work shows up best in dented people who come before him and say, I don't get it. I surely don't always appreciate it. But God, my hope is in you. And I need you to show up big time and help me in the midst of this pain. My experience and the truth of the Word of God tells you don't go passive. Don't run away from Him. Run to Him. Pour out your heart and put your hope in God. Put your hope in Him. You'll wait and you'll wait and you'll wait. But God in the waiting is making you and shaping you and doing something bigger. And you hang on to Him and you hang on to each other and you keep your eyes focused on Him and He'll show up. Antioch Church, put your hope in God and trust Him. Good time for you to reaffirm that. 
good time for you this morning. Write something down on that outline. Help me, Lord. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm hanging on by my fingernails. God, I'm here. I want to trust you. God, I want to draw close to you. God, here I am. Help me, please. And God will show up. Psalm 42. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him. I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Appropriate for us to pause, give you a chance to be quiet and talk to the God of the universe who knows you and created you, who loves you and wants you to draw close to Him. Give you a chance to be quiet and talk to him as well. So let me invite you to bow your head. I think the worship team's going to come and we're going to sing again. Okay, in this moment... Lord, I want to trust you. Lord, I need you. Maybe some of you for the very first time. You've been looking and searching and seeking and wondering. Well, there's going to be a step of faith that you'll need to take. God, help me. God, show me. Ken and the team is here. Minister to you. I'll be here afterwards if we can be of any help. Lord, we thank you for these kind of gut-level honest psalms that speak to us in the depths of where we're at and I thank you for the joyful times and the time of celebration and the great festive throngs that you give us at times. And for those who don't always get there, thank you that there's hope. And I pray that you will use your word and speak to us and bring your your hope, especially to the hopeless. Lord, give us a special touch. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.